Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, Maridistas, and happy Thursday. This is Keon Sabani. I just wanted to give you a taste of last night's post-game podcast where Siddharth Ramsundar and I, we broke down Real Madrid's 1-0 win over Union Berlin down to its core. Uh, we discussed so many topics. We discussed Bellingham and how he makes Real Madrid click, even like outside of all of his important goals. Like, What does he actually do on the pitch? That is so awesome. Uh, we discussed how Real Madrid starts slow, and by slow, I think uh, what I really mean is just start really poorly and end up putting themselves in a situation where they have to perform better in the second half. Uh, but why that's the case? Like, what is going on tactically? What what makes Real Madrid start so slow and then eventually ramp it up and have to make a comeback or have to score a late goal? We discussed that. Uh, we discussed how optimistic we are about the season. What happens when Nicias comes back and Arda Guler comes back next week? Where does he fit? Tony Cruz, his performance off the bench. Lucas Vasquez, what did he do in the place of Carvajal, who was obviously uh, nursing a minor injury? The Modric Alaba corner routine, what is up with that? What was happening there? And so much more. Uh, the full episode can be found over on patreon.com slash managing And for those of you who have not been able to join Patreon because of the country you live in. We have just opened up YouTube memberships, so you can also catch the episode there as well. And later this week, Lucas and I will be recording a mailbag podcast from Madrid together. Likely, we're going to try to find a spot in the corner of Real Madrid City uh, in the training session press conference for the pre, uh, pre-game uh, press conference for the Derby. And then both him and I will be at the Derby itself. So we'll also do a post-game podcast from the Metropolitano. And yeah, there's a lot more, but I'll just give you what's in the immediate future on the podcast. Keep it locked on the website as usual. Let's get to today's clip. Here we go. Hello and welcome to a Wednesday evening edition of the Managing Madrid Podcast. I'm your host, Keon Sabani. We are here for our patrons and our YouTube members, and I'm joined by Siddharth Ramsundar to break down the most scripted, the most predictable Real Madrid Champions League debut in the 2023-2024 season where Real Madrid starts slow, have a pretty poor first half, second half they up the tempo, and just when you think it's not going to be enough, they score in the last second, and it's Jude Bellingham who scores the goal. 
I feel like there are moments like this is where I truly believe in the matrix. Like not like the symbolic matrix, the people who work nine to five, like the real matrix, like with Morpheus and Neo and it's like programmed and we are all in this simulation. And I, I'm beginning to think, Sid, that Jude not scoring against Real Sociedad was just a blip in the matrix. It was a glitch. It was not meant to happen. They got it. They, they messed up on that one. His header at the end was supposed to go in and they rectified it this game. So we're here. Sid, what's up, man? I mean, I was just, it was, I wasn't going to overreact to the game because we did, even before the winner, we had created a lot of chances, but just something about those last 10, 15 minutes. I'm like, my, my stream was lagging a lot from 70th to 85th minute. And I'm just like, I wasn't getting into the game, but then the 85th minute came and I'm like, all right, I'm changing stream. I need to lock in like something can happen. And, um, this feels like one of those seasons and tonight felt like one of those nights. I hope it's, I hope we got many more, but, um, it's perfect just because of like, was that pretty much the last kick of the game? That was pretty close. Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. See that I think late winners are cool, but last kick of the game, late winners are like a special level above, you know? Yeah. It wasn't quite the last like it wasn't quite like Lazio Atletico where the goalkeeper literally scored the, the header was literally the last sequence of the game the full-time whistle blew it wasn't quite like that but it was dramatic enough and at the end I like without fail when I saw the ball go in the net I was kind of like I just started screaming and without really fully understanding what happened and who scored, I was like, it's Bellingham. It's got to be. And then I look at the screen and, and, yeah, it's obviously Bellingham. Right place at the right time. He said it after the game that it wasn't his prettiest goal or most beautiful goal or something like that. But it's just amazing because none of his goals have been spectacular, really. He just has instinct. And uh, I'm impressed with his, just his natural ability to get into spots. Like, there's also moments in this game where he is in a good position in the box and the ball doesn't get to him and you can kind of just see his frustration and sometimes i feel like in those moments he's like he feels like the level needs to be higher the ball needs to get to him some of that frustration may or may not be warranted because sometimes the ball just can't get to him but like there's definitely something about him um he just has a knack knack for it yeah, I mean, let's just fine. Forget the rest of the game. Let's just talk about him because the last like 15 minutes I'm watching, there were a couple moments when he just started like waving his hands, you know, on if it was another team, a lesser team, he might have just screamed at his teammates. But um on this team, he's just looking and Cruz, I thought we were all playing perfect in possession. Closer as we got closer to the end, we started playing better and better. Every like maybe we lagged a little 65th, 70th minute, and then things started getting better. And I thought we were playing the right balls, trying the right things. And if there was even a slight mistake, like when Cruz lofted the ball over for a friend and it didn't get in, um, that Bellingham would just look around and be like, who better? And um, I like that. I like that a lot. It felt like he is really obsessed. And, you know, we people are going to go say he got lucky for that bounce. But there were many shots we took before when he's doing the exact same thing. He's waiting somewhere else and then just pouncing. Doesn't get to him. And I thought the set play we had at the end also was designed to unlock him. I'm not sure if people noticed. It wasn't actually for anyone but him because um, essentially we played the ball to Cruz. And, um, Cruz played it to Valverde and Cruz is the only guy on the left side. So that brief moment when Cruz is wide open and they're all in the box union, that one defender, he gets two-footed. He gets caught thinking Valverde is going to play it back. And I get why. If you go look at the frame, Cruz could have played it in. But Real Madrid's whole team, we pinned the right side and the left side, and almost nobody is moving during our set piece. 
we just screened for Bellingham. There's a route that Bellingham ran. So that's where if you notice, there was almost nobody who could have marked him there. I thought that was a really good set play. And I thought it's very telling that we ran it for him. Um, we're, this is hardly going to stop. I'm sure we're going to see a lot more of this is, is what I'm saying. So it's funny because you mentioned, you know, some people thought maybe he had some luck. Angelotti himself used the word luck to describe Bellingham. <laughs> like he, he actually said Bellingham has quality, but he also has luck. Um, and I don't know if he meant it that way, um, you know, the way I would kind of prefer for it to be phrased, but I understand what he's saying is something like he just understands where to be. He has a knack for it. Um, it's not a coincidence that these players who, I mean, the most famous example is when uh, brain-dead idiots call Cristiano Ronaldo Tapnaldo, fully, like, missing the point. Like, if it was just that easy to score tappins, which is not even the case for all of his goals, obviously, but when he scores tappins, like, if it was that easy, everyone could do it. Everyone could score tappin. you know? Why don't we all just score tappins and, and just rack up 50, 60 goals? And, and, and it's not that impressive. Why don't we all just score tappins? The, the instinct is, um, is something hard to teach. But... I like it's funny because you see the way this game unfolded. It's very similar to so many Ramja games this season, but also Ramja games in recent history where the first half is not good. Um now mind you, I think it was like good enough to score a goal or two. Like I think we maybe got unlucky in that sense, but it wasn't as good as the second half. And a lot of people you know, including myself, will look at like, okay, what are the possible changes in the second half that would improve this? Like off the top of my head, um, something that I thought of watching the first half was like Union Berlin and their coach actually spoke about this before the game. They wanted to concentrate on stopping Bellingham. So you see them playing in this narrow shape because they know in this scheme that we have, we don't have width. We don't have the width that we normally would last season with a 4-3-3. And they knew that they could just stay central, stay narrow, stay compact, and just take away the space between the lines. And so I immediately thought of like, okay, well, if we're not going to shift to a 4-3-3 with Brahim, for example, Fran Garcia it like would, would help here um, as, a, as, a, as a wing presence it just kind of decongested a little bit. But like no changes were made at halftime. And like so many times, not only this season, but in other in, in, in years past, Real Madrid actually improved on the second half without making a change. And I think in part, the reason for that is, because you mentioned, you know, Cruz was really good on the ball when he came in. That was a little bit later in the half. But Ancelotti, I thought, explained it well. And he's explained it this way before, where he says, uh, this is the quote, we fixed a few things. It was quite simple. The second half was better because... We played against a team that wasn't pressing and they need a lot of energy to defend and deny us space. So in the second half, we found more space. Um, so I think part of the explanation is that if you're playing the way Union Berlin played, whether it's a low block or the inverse where it's Real Sociedad who are being a little bit more aggressive with their press, it is hard to sustain that energy against us either way. And I think as the second half wears on, we have so much depth, whether it's Cruz coming in off the bench or it's Kamavinga, whether it's Modric coming in off the bench or too many, whether it's um, Brahim or whoever, whoever comes in in that game state, 
I think will look good. And uh, I think I think the momentum just picks up, and eventually we just we just um, kind of chip away at the defense. It felt like we were almost playing for that because it felt like they knew that, and I almost was like, "Why aren't you guys sprinting more at points?" Was what I was wondering. But I realized like these guys are Union are playing like like terrorists the way they were defending the box, super narrow. And um, I agree, it's very exhausting moving side to side. That's where. We're a really exhausting team to play against. And I think it's it was fun to see that tonight. I think it's really nice because if you're that exhausting to play against where your players are so good in duels, you don't get that much space when you lose the ball. And when they have the ball, um, when we all had the ball, I felt the main thing that was lacking before Valverde and Cruz and Fran and all came on was that we were too narrow. But even in the narrow state, as you said, we still have Josalu and Bellingham. Um, they're still attacking. They we still have Camavinga on the pitch. He's still making his Cobra tackles. So, what I thought was interesting was that the subs were basically perfect. Like Brahim adding a little more from the right, and then you had Fran adding width on the left. You had Cruz and Valverde. I just have a have to say I don't know if we can really play and win that many games that dominantly without him. And the way that he just adds so much thrust and drive. Like the whole team's really good. Valverde comes on and almost his every touch is just like. His default speed when dribbling now has gone up, it feels like. He's just a little faster. And he, like, makes really fast decisions with the ball. I thought he was, like, really important near the end. I know he made one mistake where he took a long shot and, like, they blocked it. But that last goal was all him. That, like, he went one touch. The amount of separation he generated was crazy. And um, that moment is what I thought. That defender who was, like, choosing between Cruz and Valverde, he looked dead. He looked dead. He's like, I'm, like, I can't do anything if Valverde is going to take a touch the other way. I'm screwed. And, um... Yeah, I agree. That's the way to beat these teams. It's to wear them out mentally. That's the way. Um, especially if you've ever defended on a soccer team playing against that. It's it's brutal. Yeah, and I mean, like, just think of, like, the one guy I forgot to mention was Fede Valverde as a sub who, like, even, like, facing a fireball like that off the bench when you're kind of tired, um, I'm, that that's hard to deal with as well. Sports Social Podcast Network.